Rotoviz listeners, March has arrived. We're only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that big tournament. And make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to bet on their $100,000 Bracket Madness competition. It starts March 15th. And remember, the NBA, the XFL are still going strong, so whatever your passion is, betonline.ag is the place for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure you use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's BetOnline, your online sports experts. Code BLUEWIRE. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one out, touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by betonline.ag and on Tucket. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, joined again by Sean Siegel. Sean, days away from free agency, we did talk about it on the first show of the week, uh, the excitement is, is building. I, I'm the, the musical chairs is going to be interesting to see because I, I really couldn't predict where <laughs> really any of these players are going to end up or what the situation will be. Um, looking forward to it. Um, also looking forward to today's show as we're going to look at some undervalued wide receivers and we're going to look at uh, Blair has out. We, we always hype up here the wrong read when Blair Andrews has a wrong read out, whether it's a current one or whether it's a past edition that we can refer to. We are going to talk a little bit about the latest edition of the wrong read uh, that's come out over the last couple of days and we'll be looking as well at some of the prospects again at the wide receiver position in this nfl draft so lots to talk about in today's show sean are you ready for this one definitely and and like you said blair's article really cool we've got some more of those trade targets and uh with the dynasty command center rookie guy coming out we want to uh, discuss a little bit more the comps that some of these players have in the combine explorer really cool tool that dave has so if we have time we'll also get to that yeah no, definitely uh, looking forward to that and you mentioned there uh, the tool up on the website uh, for the listeners you can always get that 10 percent discount to rotavis nfl pass available through the podcast homepage, which is rotavis.com forward slash podcast gets you access to all of the tools not just the ones that we talk about in the show there, there's so many that it's hard to fit them in but if they are in an article we will mention them if we are talking about certain players we'll mention which ones come up that we're using at that particular time but just so much uh, so many good tools that are, are really innovative uh, you mentioned dave cabin there uh, who works on them mike beers as well uh, you get all access to all of that with the nfl pass you get access to all the content as well so save yourself 10 percent and get yourself set up for the 2020 season uh, and help support the podcast once again that is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast sean we're going to jump in uh, one of the the kind of i guess it's probably not a new recruit at this stage but somebody who's recently um started writing on the, the website samuel wallace we've we've covered some of his stuff on the shows over the last couple of weeks um he talked this week about three undervalued wide receivers to target and dynasty I always like to to see because it gives you a clear view based on the ADP and what people are expecting of these guys. Um, you know, moving into this season, uh, there's there's one here. Obviously, the first one off the boat is uh, Marvin Jones. He's at a, a wide receiver ADP at the moment of wide receiver forty three. The one thing I've always thought with Jones is touchdown as a it's not a dependency but it's something that if he doesn't get them, it doesn't usually lead to uh, big games from him. He, he's somebody who 
I would be trying to maybe he, this guy's not going to be undervalued but Kenny Galladay is the, the one I would want in that offense and uh, obviously we've talked previously about on Johnson another player who I would like in that offense so he would be kind of moving down the pecking order of the Detroit Lions that I'm trying to acquire but you know when we look through his uh, splits from last season um you know he's, he's had four four positive games in terms of wide receiver one weeks which leads to 31 percent of his uh, games but he has then the flip side is he's had 69 percent of his games have been wide receiver three or below so there's a big split in his game logs and then if you look at his total points and this is where total points can be uh you know skewed quite dramatically like it the game against the vikings last year i believe it was four touchdowns he finished with so he ended up with a 43.3 game uh in that particular outing so where where do you follow marvin jones is he i do think he's probably undervalued based on what what he does um in the nfl but do you think he's undervalued as a a player to acquire in dynasty this offseason he's one of those guys where i think it depends almost exclusively on the price but when you're looking at older players in your dynasty league you're definitely looking to get people who are both very inexpensive and will help you in a very real way immediately right so as you're building in those early rounds of a dynasty league you're looking for players who are both proven and young even if you have to pay up for them and then once you get out of the range where there is a lot of evidence that the player is going to be good now whether that's a couple of good years at the nfl level or a fantastic prospect profile once we start to get into these swing for the fences prospects that's the time when you want to really change gears and start hitting the veterans who maybe they're only going to have a year or two for you but during that time period they will help your starting lineup in a very real way and i think that's what sam has pointed out here uh, very successfully in that this offense last season when matthew stafford was healthy uh was a surprising juggernaut right uh jones scored 16.5 points per game in those games with stafford uh you can pull up the nfl stats explorer and see jones snap percentage throughout and it's above 80 the whole way played 90 percent of the snaps on the year uh, this is a guy who was very much a part of the offense and if he's healthy if he's on the roster then you know he is going to do something for you now if he ends up moving to a different team or we have other guys added then it starts to become a little bit of a trickier situation but if you go into this next season with galladay jones and hawkinson as the guys all three of the players in that offense are going to score and colin maybe i should ask you the the trade suggestion that he has here are a mid second or jordan howard do you have any other guys you might be looking to move do you think those recommendations to get it i kind of think that a mid second is probably going to get a lot of owners to pull the trigger there are some interesting mid-second guys in this current class and i think it really depends there on what you need for your roster and where you are sort of in the development of your roster whether or not you would do that now we've talked on the show before about how you should be perpetually competing right you shouldn't have a championship window you should always have a team that's going to make the playoffs but as we talked about it just a second ago marvin jones could be that guy if he is inexpensive enough 
Yeah, when, when I was looking through the article, uh, you know, reading down before we get, always what I do is we go down through the information. I would kind of, before I start reading the piece, I'll always kind of think what I would value that player currently at. And then when I get down to the bottom, it's always a little bit of a, a game for me to see what the, the kind of suggestion or the value is. I was kind of thinking that if I was actually going to make this deal, I would be looking to give up kind of a, maybe an early third round pick in, in 2020 would be kind of the range I would be looking. Uh, if you were in a future pick, probably a future second, I think would probably be fair because the, the owner's going to wait that extra year. I, I think if you offered an owner a mid-2020 second for Marvin Jones, I, I think that gets the deal done nine times out of ten at the, the current value. Um, I, I think the, the people, if you're doing a trade, I think you're far more likely to get that done with a mid-2020 second than with Jordan Howard. Um, but my value would probably be just, and, and that's probably, you know, if you want to get the deal done, it's a, a mid-2020 second. I would be starting it off with a 2020 third round pick um, would be where we'd be starting. Now, somebody else who's in this range and is quite a few years younger makes it makes it very interesting for me. He's actually going uh, wide receiver 49, which is a, a couple of steps back from Marvin Jones. Uh, that's Sterling Shepard. Shepard, we've like I've I, concussions scare scare me from you know just long term health points for players, and they also scare me for NFL uh, long term you know playing ability. So um, Devontae Adams, player I love watching, he's had a lot of concussions. I still value him very highly. Sterling Shepard is somebody who's also had a lot of concussions and had a lot of injuries as well. Um, but he's somebody who's still still quite young, still could be a very interesting. Uh, player moving forward he signed a, a contract to through 2023 which is uh worth 41 million dollars so the team has has backed him there but um you know we've talked a few times in the show about darius slitton and how good he was as a rookie uh obviously golden tate's still there maybe daniel jones will take that step forward in 2020 in his second year in the league so there's a lot of things there that you know could fall the right way for Shepard. it's easy to kind of tell yourself that narrative missed uh, quite a number of games last year but half the season was lost through through injury um ha- had two games as a wide receiver one two games as a, a wide receiver two and then the rest were as a, a wide receiver uh three or less but w- what's your thoughts on him I, if i was going to acquire one of these guys based on the, the age profile um I, I would be jumping more towards making that offer for Sterling Shepard would you be more interested in Shepard over Jones or which way would you lean over those two guys I would also prefer Shepard for the reasons that you mentioned however the concussions I think are, are very scary and you're sort of hoping that anyone who continues to have trouble actually will just retire uh, to protect their personal health and you know that with this situation here I think certainly gives you a lot of pause you know, we talked about what he's doing uh, when he's on the field, though, and he's been very, very good, as you mentioned. Another player who 90% snap rate last year in his 10 games when he was active, uh, he averaged eight and a half targets a game. Now, there are some players, the guys you mentioned, certainly, uh, we're, we're always hoping for this, the true massive breakout from an Evan Ingram. And so perhaps you have a little bit of a ceiling on his production along with the risks. But I've seen him go even much, much later than a Marvin Jones. And I think in that range, definitely he's the guy makes sense to pull the trigger on because there is some potential for him to have a season where he would rehab his value enough that not only would you score a lot of points with him, but then his trade value a year from now could be quite significant. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. And, you know, you mentioned a lot about, you know, moving these guys on in the future. Sterling Shepard is somebody who you could move, as you mentioned, next year or the year after. 
obviously the concussions you know we don't know how that'll play out but um I, I think there's a resale value there as well it could be at least the same if not higher than the current value and uh, the the suggestions here are kind of in that kind of mid to late range of 2022 i i think uh you know as i mentioned what what i was thinking was that kind of mid 2022nd would be where i would be valuing shepherd and to, to be honest i would be i'd be quite happy and uh, i might actually this week make a make a couple of offers based based off that suggestion the last player here sean my heart is forever broken uh, by certain players in the nfl uh, will fuller being one of them this guy here uh, is uh, is another one of them and, and hopefully there can be a rebound but it's dd westbrook he's gone off the board at wide receiver 67 and dynasty at the moment um you know last year i was in both dynasty and basketball heavily invested in dd westbrook and it was dd or dj chark who ended up being the correct uh, person to have in that offense i don't think there was many people making that projection prior to last season but that was uh, the way things shaked out obviously we had the quarterbacks changing and things like that um last year we were thinking nick Foles comes in it's better than blake bartles the boost goes to dd westbrook becomes the the wide receiver one in that offense and things move forward but but something that is true for westbrook is he has had consistent volume it hasn't been consistently good volume, but he has had the the consistency, you know, throughout throughout last season. Even you know, averaging on most weeks above six targets a game, um, you know, which uh, you know is is something to to hang your hat on. But do you think there's still hope that you know realistically? there's not probably going to be a wide receiver, two wide receiver ones on the the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. Do you think that? you know Westbrook ends up being maybe a wide receiver two heading through this season with Chark being possibly at the end of that wide receiver one range or, or how do you think that shakes it do you think he is somebody to target I, I think he definitely out projects his wide receiver 68 ADP but um what's your thoughts on on what he can do moving forward well like you i think he's a lock to outscore where he's going in drafts you don't necessarily have someone who is as good as he was in college and then as good as he was in a bad offense in 2018 who is just going to disappear simply because they have dj chark and a chris conley and this offense that i think has a wide potential range of outcomes and i think if you're a westbrook owner in dynasty already then that's exciting because the potential really is there for things to change significantly like you said maybe you're not going to get two wide receiver ones but if you get chark moving into really that top 10 maybe even top eight range which i think is very possible chark is definitely a guy to be out there uh heavily acquiring right now and then westbrook comes in behind him you know chark's getting that uh, attention westbrook is starting to do the things that he did in 2018 the quarterback situation improves i really think that if they get one of the two quarterbacks here uh, in the offense, get them going with some confidence, get some consistency that either guy can make these receivers valuable, not just at the place that they're being drafted, but even uh, in terms of just a very legitimate starter for your team. So Westbrook, someone inexpensive to acquire right now probably even a better target than those other two players that we just mentioned he's a little bit older because of what his uh, college profile was he's a little bit older than you might like for someone who is just entering his fourth season here in 2020 however if he has a good season still plenty of room for you to make some moves with that leader and it's these less expensive guys who you might want to add to your roster and then sort of play out the string 
right? The people who have that huge trade value, you want to make sure you get it out of them again later. Someone like a Westbrook or a Jones or a Shepard, all three of those guys, if you just end up playing them through the second half of their careers, that's an okay use of them as someone on your roster because of what you're paid for them. So I like all three guys that Sam has located for us here. And I think that uh, dynasty owners are going to be well off if they're targeting this group. Yeah, well, I, I hope so because <laughs> I have a lot of DD Westbrook shares left, uh, and I think uh, I'll be holding on to them unless unless they rebound in value, I guess. But the the one thing as well is you know you, you mentioned there you know you have to kind of build a roster. There, there's no doubt that you're going to have guys that are going to be uh, not not real superstars or not holding huge value. But there's guys that uh, you know come week eight, week nine, week ten of the season when the bye weeks are there, you need to have startable players, and there's not going to be many of them that are averaging. You know, over last season, um, he averaged six point seven targets per game. So, you know, if you're getting five six targets out of somebody um, who's you know going to be maybe your wide receiver four, your wide receiver five, or even lower, um, you know that that's something to to count in there. So he's an interesting person to acquire. Today's show is also brought to you by Untucket. Ever wonder why traditional button-up shirts look so long and baggy? That's because they were never meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, Untucket shirts were specifically designed and to be worn untucked. No matter what your size and shape, their shirts are perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untucket shirts look great on tall, short, slim, athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it. Try Untucket for yourself. Visit Untucket.com and use the code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for 20% off your first order. They'll even throw in free shipping and returns in all orders in the US. That's untucket.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. So Sean, jumping into the second half of the show now, we're going to look a little bit at the wide receiver class, the, the guys that are coming in this year, and maybe who those those picks you're giving up to acquire, um, they could also lead to some of these guys if you decide to keep those picks. Um, so we talked about some of them last week, Sean. Um, is there any of them that you want to highlight and specific and talk, talk through? Well, Justin Jefferson is someone we talked a little bit about with the freak score article with Blair's point that he is one of the only players who checks all the boxes. Uh, In the first show this week, we mentioned that perhaps there are some red flags based on his overall career arc and that he might be getting a little bit of a free pass because of uh, who he was competing with in that offense. Colin, when you look at his profile here, when you look at his athletic comps at 6-1-2-0-2, with a 443 40 and a 37.5 inch vertical. What are you seeing and does it fill you with confidence? It doesn't it doesn't fill me with confidence at all based on like you know the comps they'll always be we talked about this on last week's show too. Sometimes the comps are uh, you know there'll be players in there who you could really focus on and be like oh this guy could be the the next off this edition you know and uh, be be very positive based on you know two or three comps but when you look at somebody and, and there's really no comps that stand out to you that that would be um, what would concern me now looking through them uh, Tory Smith was obviously somebody who had production in the NFL he is one of the top comps here for him but there's a lot of guys in here um that that really didn't work out for and that happened very quickly you know like braxton miller um you know with the texans obviously there was the situation with the position that he was going to play kind of affected that but you know zay jones i know you know still 
hope maybe deep down somewhere for Zay Jones to to have a productive season. But Kenny Bell was somebody coming in who had a had a little bit of kind of could have been that sleeper that that could have connected when he was with Tampa Bay. Um, you know, there's just a lot of guys. Malcolm Mitchell seems to pop up in a lot of comps, and it just I was always surprised. I thought Malcolm Mitchell looked quite good as a rookie with the Patriots, but. It really uh, it just fell apart very quickly, and nothing nothing ever materialized after that. But the the comps here, Sean, certainly are of concern just based on on what we see. The other thing you'll notice with with his comps is there's not a huge amount of them that have played multiple seasons in the NFL. Um, there's only a couple of guys in it that have top 30, 30 games, which would you know be working at two seasons. Um, I'm just looking here now, going through it. There's there's basically there's four names I think that would go over that benchmark. So th- there's a lot of a lot of things to concern me with him. Would you have the same concerns, or are you a little bit more positive on on Jefferson? I I have those same concerns and I I think it's interesting because depending on how you look at him if you're simply looking for someone who checks the boxes like Blair has mentioned he looks pretty good and I don't necessarily think that we're worried about him as a huge bust more of someone who has a little bit lower ceiling than the potential first round draft status would indicate when we're looking at Higgins and Jefferson as perhaps those two guys who might sneak into the back end of the first round i think that might overstate a little bit where they're going and that kind of leads us into maybe another name that we're seeing in a lot of mocks at the end of that first round someone who i think is a controversial prospect overall and then had a little bit of an interesting combine with uh, signs that point in both directions and then someone for whom we have a little bit of not really controversy, but some differences of opinion in terms of the site writers, uh, someone who's not necessarily going that early in the mock drafts that we're conducting, and uh, someone who was not ranked that high by the rest of the group on the ranking team, and that's Brandon Ayuk. And here's a player, because he started at the junior college, because uh of his status as basically a one-year wonder blowing up Arizona State after uh, the departure of Nikhil Harry, a player I was not expecting to like. I was expecting to be sort of the skeptic in the group saying, uh, this guy looks a little bit overvalued. But in fact, what happened is that I have the highest ranking on him uh, of the staff. And as a result of that, he's the guy who (laughs) I picked as my guy for our little series featuring those players in volume two of the dynasty command center rookie guide. And just to give a little taste of what we're looking at there, we can pull up his players in the combine explorer. And this is a guy where because of all of his highlights last season uh, as a receiver, as a punt returner, people were expecting him to really impress in the 40. And so his four five was a little bit disappointing. Now, on the other hand, six feet tall, 205 pounds, he did manage a 40-inch vertical, so we see a little bit of it there. Also a guy with long arms, big hands, and we'll talk about the big hands here in a second when we get to Blair's (laughs) article, but when we're looking at his comps, we see names like DJ Moore, Michael Gallup, and Gallup especially, someone who followed a very similar route to the NFL, and then the second season his 2019 season a little bit overshadowed by some of the other things going on there in dallas but uh, he put up a lot of points and certainly if you were going to get michael gallup 2.0 i think you would be happy with that 
with what Ayuk was going to cost you, if you were to get DJ more, you'd be ecstatic. Yeah, and I think the thing that, this is the one thing I would say about Ayuk is I don't think his numbers are really going to you know pop out immensely at you. I don't think you know you mentioned the one year production. What I kind of find with him is that he's going to be somebody who probably isn't going to be the most exciting player but will be a productive nfl player and likely will then be a productive fantasy player because of it you know he's he's pretty decent size six six foot uh, 205 as you mentioned and you know 4.5 40 yard dash but when when you look through it it just seems that he's going to be a player who fits in as kind of a somebody who can get in there and and get to work straight away in the nfl he he probably does need to be a little bit more polished but I, i think there's um a good possibility that he could you know when you look at players who could make a, a pretty instant impact depending on where they go i think he could be one of them so he's not going to be a player who is you know f- finishing things is going to be i would say he's, he's never going to be one of the, the top 12 wide receivers in the dynasty circle you know i think he's going to be uh, somebody who's probably a wide receiver two or wide receiver three but i think there there is the upside that he could come in and have that production straight away and um, that, that could be a boost to his, his fantasy value after year one do you think he's somebody who could, could come in and have an immediate impact or do, and like i mentioned there do you think there's more off a ceiling to his game or do you think you know kind of if, if he was a, a career wide receiver wide receiver two that would probably be the upside to Ayuk? i think the thing that you're looking at here is certainly that if he ends up in the first round where he's mocked by uh numerous people and and that's gonna fall a little bit again after not putting up you know a four three five or something like that at the combine but if he comes into that range if he's on a team that plans to use him and has signaled that then i think he'll definitely have immediate impact because he also has that manufactured touch player uh, kind of profile which gives you some more opportunities it gives you a little bit of an opportunity to raise the floor which can be very helpful for dynasty owners both in terms of if you have an emergency and you need someone to fill in even as a rookie or when you're looking at those points to retrade them after the first season one of the things that we see in the prospect evaluation is that these guys who were on teams or in situations where their coaches wanted to get them extra touches beyond just being a receiver that those guys translate better to the nfl and so i think that's where you get even a little bit of an extra boost for someone like a chenault it's someone where you get a little extra boost for Ayuk here and when you look at them compared to some of the receivers we talked about in the first show of the week on tuesday and some of those red flags then i think there's even more reason to trade back and land one of these guys as opposed to paying up for a red flag player and so uh, yeah someone who definitely i think you want to be aware of and i think that with his one-year wonder sort of situation and certainly there are going to people who are, are going to argue against that and say he was very good in junior college i uh, just didn't have the opportunity until this final season uh the nfl draft for him because of his specific profile is going to be very important and would like to see him land uh, at the tail end of that first round certainly if he lands with a good team but a team that has a void at receiver then uh, he could be a league winner right away uh, and you know not so much from the perspective he's going to come in and give you you know 16 17 points a game but that he's going to be playable and then your future with him looks very very bright yeah definitely and you mentioned uh chenault there that i think i think uh my my goal is to to have a lot of uh 
Chenault on, on the rosters come the end of draft season so he's somebody we talked about last week who, who I'm very interested in talking about uh you know the combine and measurables uh Blair obviously I mentioned at the start of the show the wrong read 61 uh, does hand size really matter for wide receivers um obviously you know for for years and years people have talked about hand size for quarterbacks but um obviously uh, do, I'll, I'll let you yeah, you're you're more concise usually at, at breaking down these things than i am but in terms of hand size sean uh, and blair's work here what were some of the key takeaways you had um for, for if it matters or not and we'll let the listeners uh, dive in and read the article in full then but what, what would be the, the keys that you would have taken away from it well, uh, Blair's done some cool stuff with this piece, which doesn't come as a surprise to anybody. But he is looking at hand size. He breaks it into a couple, uh, three different buckets, large, medium, small, and shows how the effect of hand-sized NFL production is not exactly linear. So we have to go through some other exercises. You maybe use slightly more sophisticated techniques to try and tease out if there's any value there. And one of the things that he's found is that the hand size tends to be uh, positive for the large guys. And then uh, also the small people tend to have a little bit of an outperformance. And you look at them and say, well, maybe this is you know just meaningless then. But the thing that he points out and the thing that we run across a lot more than I think people realize when they're doing uh, some of these simple analyses, which, which do yield good results. Also, there are a number of things that we can do. Like when we talked about the market share situation on the first show, there are some simple analyses that you can go through with the draft and come out with some very important takeaways. But there are also some ways that you can be misled. The three cone for running backs, I think, is an example of this. Because when we're talking about running backs, when we're talking about wide receivers, they're not one size fits all. There's not necessarily one way to be an NFL running back. There's not necessarily one way to be an NFL wide receiver. But the different roles that the players have at these two positions do require some specific strengths and weaknesses. And so specifically looking at the wide receivers, one of the things that we see is that small players who run very fast and have that vertical ability, they do tend to translate fairly well to the NFL. And those guys, not surprisingly, have smaller hands. On the other hand, when we're talking about the bulk of wide receivers and we sort of get away from... Uh, simply the huge guys but we're talking about the group in general other than the speedsters then the size of the hand tends to make a very big difference and Blair is able to demonstrate this and we certainly see uh, the way that this might work in terms of being able to go up make contested catches being able to hand handle some of those uh, laser passes over the middle where you're running a crossing route the quarterback throws at 100 miles an hour and it's right on you you got to be able to make that catch in traffic you don't even necessarily think of that play as being one where you know someone has gone up and made an odell beckham type of back over the shoulder uh, twisting leaping kind of catch but catches that still are, are very very difficult to make and if you're dropping a lot of them then you tend to see fewer opportunities in the future so this is a cool study here it does lead you to believe that you might want to target some of these guys with the big hands and one of the things that i think is interesting uh, that shows up and the, the person that he really picks out here is a henry ruggs who is both actually blazing fast and has the big hands and so for people who are maybe on the fence about this player who frankly did not have a lot of production at Alabama, but was in this very unique situation, right? Where it's not just Judy who might be the first receiver drafted, but 
two players who stayed, the guy who actually led the team in receiving last year and their fourth receiver. I mean, those two guys could be top 20 picks next season. So when you're talking about the potential of four first round picks in this offense at wide receiver, then you have to look at everything in context. And we talk so much about market share, but that doesn't mean there aren't going to be exceptions. That doesn't mean that we don't want to understand each individual prospect. And so once we look at all of those things, then I think rugs becomes a little bit more interesting. And again, it's a matter of price. Do we like what he costs based on the rest of the guys in that group? where he is in this particular rookie draft perhaps the depth of this rookie draft pushing him down into a range where you know if you're having to pay pick two pick three pick four if he were the first receiver drafted and there weren't elite running backs then maybe you might shy away the draft position that he has this season might still offer up some opportunities so with Blair's study here with some of the things we talked about on Tuesday with Ruggs being one of the names that jumps out where are you on rugs in particular and maybe some of these big-handed guys in general you, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned the people who are on the fence i think i'm one of those people that are, that are on the fence uh, at the moment with rugs um you know the, the one thing i was taking away from it sean was um you know especially for people who are working in uh, contested catches it, it's vitally important um, for the hand size um what you definitely don't want to have is uh, a guy with small hands who's working uh you know in those areas where they're going to have to have a lot of contested catches it's a bit like if you imagine if you were trying to catch something that's uh quite a bit bigger than your hands it's gonna be harder to catch it with smaller hands than larger hands so it made it made a lot of sense that way but i think a key coming down is in those contested areas because as you see some of the guys with the smaller hands like tyree kelly we talked about on on the show and uh tyler lockett or will fuller those guys have smaller hands but as you mentioned they have that kind of blazing speed where a lot of the catches aren't going to be contested um as much as some of the other guys who are working across the middle so um very very important coming across that way but i'm still still very much on the the fence with rugs we'll we'll see if that can be turned around over over the coming weeks here as we as we dive more into all the different information but that's going to do us uh, as we mentioned there blair's piece is is up on the site make sure you do go and check that out to get all the information sean give a a nice kind of summary of it but do head on over and check it all out uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. It was brought to you by betonline.ag and on Tucket. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtomorrow. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Find all his great work up on the road of his website. Uh, we're just a couple of days away from free agency. Hopefully you'll enjoy uh, the merry-go-round as it happens. And we'll be back next week with another show to kind of recap that and look ahead to what it all means for 2020 and beyond. So until we're back with another one, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.